This is Green Rewind, and I'm Marty Shupak from Valley Cottage, New York, and I'm joined by Ralph Sharega, and hopefully we're going to have Ray Clifford come on. He's from Marysville, Ohio. Um, and the first order of business, we're going to talk about um, Jamal Adams, and I know we did it last week, but we're going to do it because it's like 24-7 news here. It's like every day there's a little bit of the development. There you are. Hey, Ray, how you doing? Good. Okay. All right, Ralph, why don't you start? You have a trivia question for us. Let's get right into this, and then I'm going to bounce over to Ray. We're going to talk about Jamal Adams. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so we're going to start with our, our trivia question of the week. It's a Jet-related trivia question. It's kind of fun. It's kind of depressing, too. Uh, of the, four, uh, the top four quarterbacks in NFL history for throwing pick sixes, Two of them are Jet, played for the Jets, and two of them, the other two, should have been playing for the Jets. And you name all four of them. So we'll get that at the end we'll of the show. At the end. Okay, that's a pretty yeah. good question. Hey. Obviously, there's one obvious yeah. answer. There's two yeah. probably hey. obvious answers. Go ahead. Yes, Ray. Ray. Just to, to clarify, though, they weren't necessarily Jets at the time they were throwing the pick sixes. Well, you know, players move around. Uh, I'm sure anyone wearing a Jet uniform was throwing pick sixes at some point. Well, two, two of them are known as Jets. and two of, two, of, them, two of them played for the Jets, and two of them should have played for the Jets. I got you. Okay. There's, there's been uh, – I, I don't want to beat it to a dead horse about this Jamal Adams. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to spend a little bit of time. It just seems like – Every day there's there's some more news, um, and uh, I don't know where this is going. I know what I think they should do, but I'm going to have Ray start, and your reaction again, and I'm hoping we don't repeat what we said. Just briefly, uh, he was tweeting with uh, Marcus May, and Marcus May tweeted something sarcastically like, the Jets are now showing me love. That's number one. And the second thing is, all of a sudden, his best friend in the world is Antonio Camardi. So, uh, <laughs> I can't be good. <laughs> yeah, he's giving him guidance. Um, but, Ray, what, what, what's your feeling about this Jamal Adams situation and any update on what you uh, gave us last week to it? Well, I mean, my feelings about signing him haven't changed. I, I really think he's important for this defense to – to be a dominant defense. But in reading his uh, tweet, I just thought that was just a, uh, a sounder that he threw out there to get, you know, more attention about Ben, Ben, uh, your favorite guy I've been playing with. I'm going to miss playing with you or whatever, miss balling with you. But the reality is he had, he, in his comment, well, not his comment, the, uh, another time he basically gave the Jets more leverage by telling them, I guess to sweeten the deal and make it uh, more feasible that he wouldn't request or require a contract extension from any team he was traded to, which to me is like the Jets going, well, if you play, the whole reason you want to be traded is because we aren't going to pay you. So uh, if you're going to play for that contract with another team, you'll play for it with us. And so I don't, I think he just gave the Jets more leverage trying to, uh, entice them into making a deal or, or something. Or and, and, and that's something that Jet fans, as a fan, they really don't want to hear that 
he would play for the same money he's getting now, but wouldn't play for the Jets and would play on another team. I'm going to mention one thing before I forget. Then I'm going to, I want Ralph's feelings. I, you know, you listen to radios and, and you listen to uh, talk sports, sports talk, and you really see that people don't know what to do with their time and you don't know what to believe. And people come on, they say they heard it from a good source. Uh, I have a brother that works in the Jets uh, administration and all this. More than two or three people had called up and said the reason he wants out of New York, the Jets, is because he does not think that Sam Darnold is the real deal, which to me is unbelievable. On top of that, um, Adam G- um, uh, sorry, Manish Mehta writes an article in Daily News today about the root of the problem, according to him, is um, Adam Gase and that he's uh, – Jamal Adams is not crazy about Adam Gase. There's a lot of Adams in there. And he loves uh, Greg Williams. But according to Manish Mehta, a lot of the people in the front office aren't crazy about him either, as well as some of his teammates. I'm, I'm crazy about I'm crazy about who you got me. Uh, Adam Gase. Oh, okay. Well, okay. yeah, that's uh, yeah. Not a so surprise. I I want to hear Ralph's comments, and then I'm going to comment on that. I'm going to because there's a few things I want to say, and hopefully I won't go off on a tangent. Ralph, what are your comments on it now? Well, uh, I'm with Ray. I still want the guy. I don't think it's a good look for him in the middle of a pandemic to be crying. He's got a 22 million dollar guaranteed rookie contract, which is not as much as Eddie Jackson but it's more than 99.99% of the people on this planet, a lot of whom are really struggling now. That being said, I think once he gets signed, he'll, he'll be the player that we expect him to be. One thing I want to say, though, is if it does come to a trade, Douglas Fields has got a trade, I think the one thing we have to consider that I don't hear people talking about is if there isn't a college football season this year, the draft picks are going to be very, very much less valued because being able to pick in a normal year is a crapshoot. When we don't have tape of guys this year, it's going to be a near impossible to rate these guys. And I'm going to give you two quick examples, Marty. In 2019, Mel Kuyper had Joe Burrow as a fifth or sixth round grade. And what happens the next year, he has a great year. He's the first pick. Quinn and Williams in 2017 wasn't even on anyone's radar. The next year he starts. He becomes a third-player pick. I mean, stuff like that's going to happen. And I don't really want someone else's draft picks when it's like, you know, it's going to be like pin the tail on a donkey. It's going to be impossible. Right. So, and I, think, just yeah. try, I think we all agreed uh, last week, looking at the Mika Fitzpatrick trade, that he's not going to get uh, really great value being a safety. Okay? I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ralph, but go ahead. Yeah. So if I was Douglas, and, you know, he's, he is a safety, but he's an unusual player. And, and, and uh, I heard Greg Williams say that he's played, coached a lot of guys, and he thinks this guy, if he stays healthy, could be a Hall of Famer, and I do too. Uh, so he's a special player. And if someone really wants him badly, and I'm Joe Douglas, I don't want draft pick. I want to find a team whose first-round pick this year I liked and I graded well, and I say, I want him. I don't want a draft pick because you're going to have to wait two or three years for this guy to develop. You don't even know if he's any good. So I really think that that's got to be considered in Douglas's uh, mind. 
Well, it's a great point. What I would do is this. Forget about the Sam Darnold uh, crap. I think it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, uh, I know he's, he has a great football mind, but how he could tell that Sam Darnold is not the real deal, I, I don't understand that. I just think the lack of communication uh, with everyone speaks volumes. And <clears throat> if it was me, if I was Chris Johnson, I would get on my private plane with Joe Douglas, Adam Gase, Greg Williams, and I might put in their secondary coach. I think his name is Denard Williams, or I'm not sure, but he, yeah. he was actually a holdover from uh, Todd Bowles. Fly down there and say, look, this is the deal, and tell him what their intent is. If it's the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we don't even know if we're going to have an NFL season, if you look at the statistics today on uh, June 25th, how it's skyrocketing, and this is right after baseball agreed within the last 48 hours to have a season, and now that's in jeopardy. They have to read to him, tell him what's going to happen. You know, it's so hard to commit. And uh, I really don't know what else they could do. I think they have to keep the lines of communication open. Now, I just want to point out one thing. And I know, Ralph, you want to say something, so do you, Ray. Everyone was saying, well, you know, they compared it to Christian McCaffrey. I looked it up. You know what the date was when he signed his contract? It's probably right before the pandemic, right? Take a guess. Uh, February 20th. Ray? March 2nd. <laughs> April 16th. Uh-huh. So, look, they signed him almost, you know, right in the middle of this thing. Right. A little worse. Um, I well, had- yeah. I, what I heard, though, too, is I'm, I'm going to cut myself in a, off in a minute. Joe Douglas taking this job and why he fought for a sixth year is because Chris Johnson and Woody Johnson put on restraints, economic restraints with him this year. That's why he has all these one-year mm-hmm. contracts, and he has these three, uh, one-year contracts, camouflages three-year contracts. He's under certain guidelines by the ownership, and that's a big part of it. I think it, it is up to the Johnsons to explain this to uh, Jamal Adams in person. Ralph? Well, uh, about Christian McCafferty, just because they sign a running back to that kind of contract, I would never do that because running backs have such a short shelf life. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have neither signed their contract yet, okay? So it's not like he's alone. Uh, right. I'm, not, I, I, I'm yeah. not saying it was the smartest thing for Carolina to do. I'm just putting it in perspective when right. he signed it. Because he keeps uh, comparing his situation to that, too. And I agree. And we said it last week. It's like apples and oranges. Um, well, yeah. I mean, every team has to make their own choices. And, uh, you know, I, I think Douglas – don't forget, this is Douglas's first big moment. I think he doesn't want to show himself to be soft as well. But you might be right about the, uh, the financial aspect that the Johnsons have, uh, have them under. But, uh, yeah, I think he wants to make a stand. And I think he's playing, he's playing his cards close to the vest, which I like. You know, He's not engaging. Now, Jamal Adams is a very emotional guy on the field. So you know, this is what you get in a negotiation with him. Since he's got the same personality in negotiation. That's okay with me. When he gets signed, everyone will be happy and we'll go along. I just want a football season. Right. Ray, your thoughts again? 
I just, uh, I never heard about the, uh, his comments about Darnold. I don't. I haven't either. I, I heard that. Uh, just listening and reading, you know, I spend my day listening to a lot. Right. Was that direct or indirect, Marty? Did you it's actually direct. hear him say That's what I'm saying. It's indirect. But it's I'm, indirect, what yeah. What I'm saying is, and I'm, a, a perfect analogy, do we know what actually is happening? Who do we believe with this pandemic? We, I don't know what to believe. So what I'm saying is people have so much time, everyone's coming up with these theories. Of course, yeah. More than one person came up with this theory about Sam Darnold. Which I've, I've, yeah, I've read columns from every team in the league, probably columnists, who say our team is really hot for him, you know? So it's, it's like there's nothing else they have to write about. I just it's, can't it's, believe that he'd say that. I don't see him chiming in on the offense at all. I don't, I don't buy into that one. Um, but I, I do think he does need a, attention. He, he uh, and maybe going down and talking to him would be a good thing. I think part of the problem too is that not just the college season may not go on, but they don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap. There's a lot of issues they're going to be dealing with. And, and another issue that I just read about that. So coming up is that there's a good chance that Woody Johnson's coming back. So he'll probably, you know, take over the reins and, and he, I don't see him being less likely to spend, but I don't know that he would want to open up the purse strings until he knows what's going to happen with the, the salary cap and that and, and things like that. I, I think they formulated a plan part of, again, Joe Douglas getting that six year in a contract. He had to know going in the cap situation and he wasn't happy with it. And he, he really wasn't going to take the job. And he said, look, I need that six year and I'm really strapped with the amount of money I have, I could spend if you're going to put these constraints on me. And they said, we're going to give you the extra year. We're going to take these constraints off you in the second year too. Now, Ralph, I mentioned to Ray, with everything going on, it turns out it was a blessing in disguise that this Anthony Barr, the linebacker from Minnesota, <laughs> really got his deal. Think about yeah, it. really. That was over 50 million. Yeah, he probably would have given us the less sacks than Jordan Jenkins anyway. You know. Right. All right, look, let's uh, move on. Um, we're going to talk about the three biggest question marks entering this season, if we have a season. And uh, Ralph, why don't you start? And I'm sure we're going to overlap on it. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So go ahead, Ralph. So I'm glad I'm going first. So I'll, I'll be uh, original. Um, so I would say number three would be pass rush. Their defense was okay last year. The two areas where they were near the bottom were interceptions and sacks. Now, I don't think sacks alone is a, a, an indicative, but I think pressures. And, you know, because their cornerback situation is so iffy, I think the, the pass rush is something that's got to be upped. The second is pass blocking. Obviously, if Darnold's going to become a better quarterback, quarterback that Jamal Adams hopes he'll be, they're going to need better pass blocking. That's a question mark. You know, you have Beckton on one side. The other side is either Doja or Fant. I don't know how that's going to shake out. So big question mark there. And question mark number one for me is Gase. You know, in my opinion, <laughs> I in, my opi one. in my opinion, I've been following football for 55 years, and I always believe, and I still do, that the most important player in a football organization is not the quarterback, it's the head coach. 
I remember Bum Phillips' famous line about Shula, he can take his and beat yours, and the next week he'll take yours and beat his. Parcells, who went from one bad team to another and within two years had them in the playoffs. And these guys, you take the great coaches, Lombardi, Shula, Belichick, Parcells, those guys had a combination of respect and fear of the players. And that's two things that I don't think Adam Gase has. It's not in his DNA. And, you know, I, I just feel like that is the weak link on the team myself. Ralph, I agree with you. Uh, and I'll go through it quickly. Then, we'll, uh, Ray, you'll give your three. I have as the third the offensive line, just like you and everyone else. And one of the things I mentioned last week, and I don't think I expressed it correctly, that, um, you know, pro football focus, they've done an incredible thing. We all love baseball, right, Ralph? And I know Ray likes baseball, too. One of the reasons why people love baseball is for the statistics. It's the one game that you, are, you go right to the box score and you search these statistics. And it's a statistic-driven game. It's unbelievable. Pro Football Focus has actually taken football and devised their own system of making statistics for every position on the field. Now, I have as the second uh, most important thing is Sam Darnold, which is combined. Sam Darnold, when he had, and I said this last week, the league average, just the average for protection, and this is according to Pro Football Focus, he was 7-1 and one in two years, which I think is incredible. So the offensive line, and one of the biggest things about this pandemic, the offensive line, and the way I always describe it is that the whole is always better than the sum of the parts. It takes a while for them to gel. And we're going to miss out on the preseason. I think they're cutting down right now from four to two, two game, preseason Well, that's games. the first blessing from COVID right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, they just, today they just cut the Hall of Fame game, too. Oh, I'm, my heart broke. I know, yeah. So, <laughs> but I have as number one uh, uh, Adam Gase and – Ray, I just want to talk about his positives for a second because everyone's on him. It's unbelievable when I listen to talk radio. Everything you say could say negative about Adam Gase. I think it's the biggest question mark. To me, it's unbelievable that he signed, that the Jets signed some of these guys like Poole and uh, what's his name, Ralph, the linebacker with the uh, sacks to uh, one year contracts. What's who am I thinking of? Jenkins? George Jenkins? Jenkins, yeah. I mean, I think these guys could have gotten more elsewhere. Why they signed with the, with the Jets is amazing. And also, he kept together the coaching staff, so he has to be doing something right. With that said, I think he's the biggest question mark, too. I want, I want to sh see some leadership. I don't know what Adam Gase is. Is he a guy that does trick plays? Is he a guy that knows how to uh, manage the clock? I don't even know what he is at this point. You know, so, sometimes, Martin, just not, sorry, Ray, interrupt. Sorry. He reminds me a little of Pete Carroll when he was coaching the Jets. He's like, you know, slapping his players on the back. He seems a little too buddy-buddy. I don't, I don't like that. I like a guy who, that who instills some fear in them. Right. I don't – okay, Ray, sorry about well, that. I, just, I, I think Pete Carroll's the same way now, though, Ralph. He kind of is, yeah. Isn't that – <laughs> Yeah, all right, so we, we, we just have to give uh, Gase 20 years, all right? You know what's funny about Pete Carroll, Ray? I, we'll get to, you're next, but I just want to say, Pete Carroll, I was so wrong about him 
because I followed him. And when he left USC, I said, that bum bailed out <laughs> just to get out of the scandal and everything. Turns out he's one of the better NFL coaches, you know that, which is unbelievable. All right, All right Ray, for- what did- yeah, one play that'll haunt him is the yeah. rest of his life. Uh, haunts me every night. All right, Ray. Well, <laughs> the reality is, uh, he did. He still did bail out on USC to avoid the scandal. That had nothing to do with being an NFL coach. He knew what was coming down the pipe at USC. So he's no. He's still the bum he was for doing that. But, <laughs> right. Um, Smart I'm gonna, bum. Yeah, I'm gonna pick a couple others just to be somewhat different and get some other. Uh, issues on here. The, the things I had written down and the offensive line obviously was one I hadn't thought about Gase because I was thinking about on the field. But I think number three is do, do our wide receiver core step up and come together and gel. I, I think Mims is going to be a big key to them being a real threat. I think the other guys are going to basically be a, about how they were before, which is steady. But but I think Mims is the key to whether or not the wide receivers can take a step up. Uh, the next one is uh, <clears throat> special teams because I and, and we had a good special teams as far as defending and, and things last year, but I'm talking more along the lines of is our kicker going to be somebody we can count on in the clutch and is this punter we drafted going to be a guy who might be able to flip the field when we need him to let's ask marty about the punter (laughs) he knows the next topic i (laughs) they put a topic down the two best players on special teams players and it changes every year it does i'm sorry (laughs) and then the 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 first one as is uh to me the offensive line um and if they have improved and if these guys can like like Ralph said keep keep Sam upright and protect him so he has time to do things I think to me those are three big ones but um, uh, Gase is obviously one too I didn't like Gase's in-game adjustments when Sam was out of the lineup I thought he was terrible in those games when Sam wasn't able to play he, he showed an immaturity i've never seen in an nfl coach where he had such a plain look on when luke fork was in there like he like i can't wait for this torture to be over i know we're not going <laughs> to win the game there was like no effort those games there were what there were four games or yeah. three games three yeah three, uh, yeah because we had the bye weekend it was torture but I, you couldn't you'd never see belichick give up on the team or the quarterback, he would make use of it. And I was so disappointed in the way he looked on the sideline. Ralph, you saw those games, didn't you? Yeah. The only thing I I can think of that was even close to that was the end of Mangini's uh, days. His head was sinking into his neck like a turtle the last couple of games. (laughs) That team fell apart. They were one of the best teams in the league, and they just folded. And he – he was – he didn't do a thing. He just stood there, and you looked at him and go, we don't have a chance. This guy is clueless. It was uh, – Ralph, do you remember when – Not pretty. Remember when the, the Celtics uh, – Casey Jones was the head coach? <laughs> <laughs> he, when he would – when they would have a huddle, he didn't talk. Well, he, the other team was on automatic he, pilot. They were so good. Yeah, uh, but it was unbelievable. He just <laughs> – the coaches talk. He didn't say a thing. So, you know – you had said about uh, you couldn't imagine Belichick doing nothing like Gase did in those weeks, but look at what look at what Parcells did with us the year Vinny went down in Game One. 
I mean, he ended up making Ray Lucas look like a really yeah. NFL quarterback there. We finished eight and eight. I mean, and, I couldn't see Gase of do, doing that. With right. He admits to this day that he, his biggest mistake that year was not putting in Lucas earlier, which yeah. was a mistake too. But that's that's another bad memory. We have a couple of other things, but if you guys don't mind, I'd like to jump to Joe Klecko. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I do too. I really would like to talk right, about it. Let's too. do that because I don't want to run out of time. Let me start. And the question is, Joe Klecko, should he be in the Hall of Fame? I just want to point out a few things. He played in 155 games, started 145. He had listed as sacks, total sacks, 24, but there's an asterisk with that, and I'll tell you why. Ralph probably knows. He had yeah. seven and a half in 1985. He made the Pro Bowl at three different positions. People think he was all pro at three different positions. It wasn't. He was a two-time all pro. And the thing I want to mention, the official st uh, sack statistic didn't become official till 1982. So I read some statistics that his total sacks – would have been increased by 51.5, which would have given him a career of 75.5 sacks, which is terrific. Now, he was derailed by injuries. That was a big thing. And also the fact that he didn't get to or win a Super Bowl, that's always looked at by people going into the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, in my mind, he's a definite Hall of Famer. Of course, we all have our pro-jet bias. And some of the best interior linemen like Dwight Stevenson and Anthony, Anthony Munez thought that Kleck was one of the top three players they played against. So with that said, Ralph, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know one year he had about 20 and a half sacks. I mean, when this sack 19, exchange. 1981. Yeah, yeah. When, when the sack exchange is getting 65 sacks, I mean, uh, you know, someone was getting them. And, it, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Salam. Uh, he had a few. But uh, another guy who says he should be in the Hall of Fame is Joe DeLamalier of Buffalo, who said he was as good as anyone he's ever gone against. Um, I think the only other person, here quick trivia, I think the only other person to make Pro Bowl in three different positions, anyone quickly, old-timer from the 50s and 60s, ended up being a broadcaster, Frank, Frank Gifford. Gifford. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Klecko is the best player to ever wear a Jet uniform. I, I would rate him number one as my Jet on my Jet top ten. Uh, if if Joe Klecko had played for the Cowboys in those years and Randy White had played for the Jets, Klecko would be in the Hall of Fame. He was at least as good a player as Randy White, and he overcame a knee injury, which in those days was rare, and he still made Pro Bowls at other positions. He was an amazing player, and I think part of the Lack of respect also is he was a late-round pick coming from Temple. I don't think people ever took him like seriously like a Randy White who was a, the second guy picked, the superstar in college. But uh, the, poor, the pros know, the guys you name, Marty, they're all Hall of Famers. Those are the guys who push for it. And I firmly believe, look, Winston Hill I love, but Klecko's a better player than Winston Hill. And Hill's in the Hall of Fame. Right. I think Klecko's going to get there. Now, I just want to add one thing, Ray, before we get to you. The one technique, and Ralph could verify this. Ray, you, I don't know how much you saw of Joe Klecko. You, you, did you oh, see I, a, a lot? Yeah. Well, Ray's not that I, young. I'm not, yeah. Okay. I was, I was around when Namath was still playing. So. Okay, okay, there you go. I thought I was, I forget, because you look like 30 years younger than us. But anyway, 
You guys might verify that. I know Rafa. My favorite Klecko move when he was like defensive end, he was the best bull rusher I ever saw. He was unbelievable just pushing his guy back into the backfield. It was incredible. You know, one of those three guys said he's the strongest guy he ever went up they ever went up against. Um, and the amazing thing is he's an interior lineman in college, and they move him out to the end. And, you know, he had the build of an interior lineman. But, you know, he was just remarkable. Uh, this, I just think he's going to be in one of these days. Okay. Yeah. Ray, you're up now and Joe Klecko. Well, first, I think it's long overdue. I think it's one of the biggest travesties of uh, guys who don't deserve to be in there who are uh, – outside where they have to be voted in by the by the uh what is it the the old timers committee whatever committee <laughs> is it the veterans committee veterans, veterans the old, the old like farts that. something like that but yeah. you know i i was watching a bunch of every year when the hall of fame uh selection comes around i start watching stuff and i pay attention to see if he's listed he hasn't even this year when they took extra players he wasn't in there but I watched these videos. Not only does Joe DeLamalure, who he faced twice a year with Buffalo, I think DeLamalure was still playing then. I'm not positive. Oh, but yeah. The other one, John Hanna, who also, I believe, is a Hall of Famer and was a great yep. guard for New England, uh, he says that's the best guy he ever played against. And when they talk about guys who have a motor that doesn't stop, that was Joe Klecko. He, he did had a great bull rush, but he was quick, too. And he had unbelievable strength. So when he got his hands on it. He made more, you know, other than the Earl Campbell tearaway jersey, he made more jersey tackles than anybody I ever saw that didn't let go. He had one, and I still watch this clip of him, and he has a hold of one of the Dolphin running backs, and he literally spins him around and throws him in the air to the ground. It was right. great. That's, that's Joe Clacko to me. Well, well, we'll see what happens in the future. It's going to be a, uh, a uh, tough sell. Um, Ralph, who is the sports writer used to be for the Daily News? Um, not Rich Samini. He was up at the Cortland. He writes NFL articles. He doesn't write anymore for the paper. What the heck's his name? But I remember him saying that um, he makes a presentation all the time about uh, Klecko, and yeah. it's tough going. Um, okay. Ready, Go ahead, Ray. It wasn't Randy Lang, was it? No, no, he did no. The Jets website, I know, but he was with no. one of the. Ra Ralph would know who it is. Not, uh, not... I, I, I'll, I'll remember it the minute the show's over. Right. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, let's knock off that trivia question. I, uh, Ray, you want to go? I think I know what the. I think I have my answers, but Ray, you want to go first? I can only come up with three names off the top of my head. Vinny, Brunel, and uh, Marino were my three, three of the four. I couldn't think of the other of another one. Interesting. Vinny, uh, Brunel, and Marino. Actually, uh, Marino is correct. The other two are not correct. I have uh, my picks are Namath. Uh, I, put, I put Todd. I put Marino and Brett Farr. Okay. Uh, you got it. Namath, Favre is number one. Oh. Namath is on the list. Marino, and the fourth one is Peyton Manning, who should have been a Jet, oh, too, yeah, as you remember. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. You're right. Now, to uh, piggyback that, you guys probably know this, what do uh, Brett Favre and Sam Darnold have in common? Uh, wow. Uh, they both throw a lot of picks. <laughs> 
The, their first pass each in the NFL was a pick six. A pick six, yeah. Isn't that That's right. That's Dar How many has Darnold thrown so far? Uh, I don't know, but you know it's good. And and you guys met them. Remember the, the two brothers up at Cortland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The older brother, Steve, every year he's in a pick six pool. Which is a very interesting pool. Um, Ray and by, the, by the way, Ray, Testa Verde's like not far off that I, list. I, I was sure he was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ralph, you were much more of a Testa Verde fan than I was till he became a Jet. I remember when he became a Jet, I remember you called me up and said, Mark, this guy could throw. This was a great pickup. I remember. Yeah, then once again, Parcells got the best out of him. I, th I think his year in 98 was the best year any Jet quarterback has ever had. Uh, and my favorite play, of course, was the last – play against Seattle where they gave him a touchdown. Remember, he was like about a yard short. <laughs> right. It was the impetus for the first replay. Yeah. Isn't that what got that coach, he's the former coach of Miami, fired for some reason? Dennis uh, Erickson. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. And he, Vinny was the coach on that Monday Night Miracle. Was Vinny the was the, uh, yeah. Was not the coach, the quarterback. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, what's his name? Laverne's called his own plays. Yeah, yeah. called his own plays the whole fourth quarter. Now, I'll never forget that. It was the only game I went to bed like at halftime. My son Michael, he kept coming upstairs saying, "Dad, you got to wake up and watch this." <laughs> he came up three times and I never did it, so I never. Wait, don't tell me the end. I still don't know what the final score is. <laughs> yeah, Laverne's calls, by the way. Yeah, he had a big game. Yeah. yeah, very very good player. Um, NFL season. What do you guys think is going to happen? I mean, uh, Ray, any feelings about are they going to shorten it? Are they going to wait? Are they going to, are they going to have a million contingency plans? I know they're going to look at the Major League Baseball like through a microscope, but what's your take on what I we're think, going through right now? Well, first, I think baseball is like the worst example of how to handle things. They've been a, a debacle trying to get things even – agreed upon how whether to start or not start how many games I think they'll have a season I don't I won't say it's going to be shortened yet but it might eventually be I think I don't think it'll start on time though I think we might be going into uh, end of September beginning of October before they actually start but they can move everything back I think this is one of those years when you can make a bunch of changes to things and everybody will be fine with it Ralph what's your feeling you know, for the last couple of months, I've said no season. I'm thinking maybe it'll start late. I mean, the idea of playing in these cavernous stadiums, you know, without a crowd, it's, it's a little different than like in a, an NBA thing where it's a smaller arena. It would really seem kind of ridiculous. But, you know, there's so many question marks, Marty. I, I'm going to say a shortened season. I, I'm going to say let's all pick a number. I say uh, 12 games. What do you say, Ray? I'm going to go with a full season right now uh, until I hear, you know, if or when they're going to start up. I think if they, if they put it off to the end of September, I think they could still do a full season. I'm going to say a 12 game sounds good. And I'm going to say 25 teams make the playoffs and the Jets are right on the bubble. No, you see, that's where you're wrong. Cause this is the year the Jets will be 12 and 0 and have a home field. <laughs> and they have to cancel the season. You watch. <laughs> People I know, they'd be calling me up about it. You know it. what? I'll take that because they'd probably blow it in the playoffs anyway. Right, right. Ray gave us a question about the two, the two uh, best players 
on the special teams, who we think in 2020. I'm going to go through this quick. Ray, I got to tell you, I, I'm at a loss. I, I picked uh, <laughs> Rexton Barrios and Braden Mann, just like you said. I didn't know what else to do. I don't think uh, Rontez Miles, he's on the Patriots now, right? They signed him as a free oh, agent. He still could be the Jets' best one, though. <laughs> he could be. Ralph, do you have a couple? Well, you took you stole Barrios from me. I mean, the guy had a very good year last year. You know, after watching Jeremy Curley back up on every punt return and watching Skates Cannon drop everyone, it's nice to have someone who, who who can catch the ball. You're not worried about. My other guy is a reach. I'm going to take Ashton Davis as a two two double barrel threat. He's going to be the kickoff guy and a gunner, which means we can get rid of Cannon altogether. And I I, I think uh, Ashton Davis. Watch I watch more clips of him. The guy can hit. I don't know where he got the reputation that he's not a hitter. So I'm excited for the guy. Well, I heard it was his tackling. He is a hitter. He played linebacker in high school. But I'm going to go with what you say. Okay, Ray, your two players. That's funny, Marty. I uh, I had you the same as you, Barrios and the punter. Um, but I don't want to see – I was going to say Ashton Davis at one point. I thought, nah, you know, I'm just going to hold out hope that they don't even put him out there on special teams. I could – I can just see that being the the big uh, uh, yeah. disaster of an injury that will you know, right. derail everything with that guy. The last uh, I just want to add, Ralph. I've mentioned this before, and Ray, talk. You mentioned about the backing up on the punts. There's about a eight or ten minute video, and I always mention it in my articles with Bill Parcells coaching Diedrich Ward. Mm. How to field a punt like a center fielder. Every punt returner should watch this little video. Yeah. It simplifies wow, it. Wow, Diedrich Ward, name from the past. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to wrap this up. So uh, I want to thank you guys for Green Rewind and Ralph Schrager and uh, Ray Clifford and Marty Schupack. It's the highlight of my week. Until next time. <laughs> okay. I wanted to end it a little just so we have like a bit about it. Two minutes. Yeah, so break out the good. beers. Uh. Good. So they're going to cut us off. Good. Good job, guys. So I'm That's concerned good. about the season, though, guys. You what? I tell you, if we don't have a season, they're going to cut us off less than a minute. It, it, I'm going to be horrible. I told my wife, if there's no football, I'm going to be horrible. Really. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Uh, Ray, I'm going to probably call you up, make sure you got the link. All right. Correct. All right? We're yeah. going to end this in like a, we're going to cut us right off. And, uh, yeah. So, all right. All right, guys, I'm going to end it, okay? All right. I'll talk all right. Ralph, I'll call you too. Ralph, yeah. call you. Okay. Take it easy. Right. Take it easy.